DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is the author of many best-selling books on the theology and spirituality of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He holds the St. Ignatius Chair of Spiritual Formation at St. John Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. We are visiting one of the characters in the stories that you have presented to us to help us to understand what the struggles we may encounter in the spiritual life are and how we can have those remedies. And this character, Beth, is one that I think is so intriguing, and she speaks to a tender place in so many hearts, doesn't she? Yes, we're just going to allow her to hold up a mirror to what we all experience in our own ways, you know, in this. So we'll be looking at another form of spiritual desolation here. So Beth has just returned home to her apartment after a long day of work in physical therapy. She's physically tired. Susan has been difficult again for her, and she's somewhat discouraged. She prepares supper. She has her supper, washes up. And normally at this time, she's gotten in the habit now of praying evening prayer from the Liturgy of the Hours, and then she makes an examined prayer. So with Father Reed's help, she's been learning these forms of prayer, and she prays them. But now there she is alone in her apartment, tired, discouraged, and there's the book with evening prayer, and she just doesn't feel like picking it up at all. She's tired, discouraged, she feels alone. She doesn't feel the warmth of God's love in her heart right now and doesn't really want to pray. Now, with much reverence, have any of us ever experienced that? You know, if we were all to raise our hands, I think every hand would be raised here. And you can already tell me what I'm going to say. There's no shame in experiencing this, no surprise that she's experiencing this. But what does matter is how aware of it, you know, how able to name it, and then she is and how she responds to it. So Beth now feels the desire to call another co-worker, Maureen. She knows that if she calls Maureen, Maureen will be happy to talk. But she also knows that the conversation with Maureen is going to become gossip. It's going to drop a few levels, and inevitably there'll be criticism of Susan in this. And Beth wouldn't mind hearing a little criticism of Susan at this point. So let's just pause the experience at this point. So Beth now has a choice here. She can either pick up the book with evening prayer or she can pick up the phone and call Maureen. And we all know that kind of choice. We'll play out the story that Beth, she's just discouraged. She's too alone. She does call Maureen. And they spend 45 minutes on the phone and it goes the way she knew it would go puts down the phone, and there's still the book there with the evening prayer still close by, but now she has even less desire to pray it. She flips on the television, spends an hour watching really sort of empty shows, and finds herself just feeling a little more depressed, you know, and discouraged, heads to the refrigerator in ways that she knows aren't the best for her, goes on social media for another hour, 
And now the evening is kind of spent and she still hasn't prayed. She picks up the breviary and just gets through it as, as fast as she can to get evening prayer done, makes the exam in a way that she knows is quick and superficial. Even so, you know, even that prayer done rapidly and largely to get it done helps a little bit at the end of the day. And she retires unhappy and feeling somewhat ashamed of how she spent the evening. But before she retires, she writes in her journal. Let's again, let's not be hard on Beth. All of us have been Beth. We can all recognize that. I include myself in that. So she writes, why do I do this to myself? That's such a good question. Why do I do this to myself? What's wrong with me? I knew even before I called Maureen that speaking with her would not help. I knew that prayer would, but I just felt too tired and too discouraged to pray. I also knew that calling Maureen would not be the end. Usually, after giving in to discouragement in one way, it gets harder to avoid the discouragement. So, empty television, in quotes, comfort, eating, social media, and I just keep feeling worse. When I finally do pray, at least I did do it, and that's, gotta say that, or about. Beth, that's uh, in time of desolation, never make a change. And this she does. When I finally do pray, I pray poorly and just to finish. The day ends badly and often the next morning begins badly. How do I understand times like this? Spiritually, what's going on? I think of myself as a spiritual person, as a woman of prayer. Why then do evenings like this happen? How can I be drawn to such empty things? Okay, so that final question is the question that Ignatius at this point is addressing. And what he tells us is that one of the experiences of spiritual desolation will be that in the discouragement of it, when we feel disheartened and just don't feel God's closeness and, you know, energy for prayer and such like, that the enemy will bring into this a movement toward low and earthly things. And that's the way Ignatius says it a movement toward low and earthly things. Now, obviously, refrigerators and phones and so forth have a good purpose. That's why we have them. But we all understand what Ignatius is talking about here and what Beth is experiencing here. The pull toward these things in a way that Ignatius would call low and earthly in the time of spiritual desolation. So I really need to say this, uh, I'd say strongly. The fact that Beth feels pulled toward the conversation that she knows will become gossip, the fact that she feels pulled toward empty television, social media, and so forth, all of this, there's no shame in the fact that she experiences that pull. That's simply a quality of the enemy's tactic in spiritual desolation. It's simply what it means that we're going to experience that at times when we live the spiritual life in a fallen, yes, fallen, but loved and redeemed world. What does matter, as we keep saying, is to be aware of what's going on. That's our whole purpose in describing it here. That's why Ignatius does this for us. What if Beth can say, oh, wait a minute. Well, she does know this, but she's just so discouraged here. The fact that she does pray, the fact that she describes this in her journal, and you can sense she's going to talk about this when she meets with Father Reed again. Those are very good signs in the way she's dealing with this. If she has started the counseling, uh, that's also going to help because she'll get to understand better why Susan discourages her as much as she does, and she'll be more able to resist that. 
Now, what you see here is something we've said, and uh, we're, we're going to see it throughout. What we describe in Beth's situation is initially non-spiritual desolation. She's physically tired at the end of a, a long day of physical therapy, and she is emotionally discouraged because of the, the interaction with Susan. Okay, that's just a natural human thing. But you can see how the enemy now brings into that place of vulnerability this further experience of a specifically spiritual desolation so that she doesn't have energy for spiritual things. She doesn't feel God's closeness. She does feel the pull toward low and earthly things. Let's play it out a different way. What if Beth gets home discouraged and tired and there's the book with evening prayer, the breviary, there's the television and the phone and the refrigerator and she recognizes no that this is a time when i i really shouldn't change anything at all so asking god's help with a bit of courage she picks up the breviary and she prays through evening prayer and does make her examine now what's going to happen most likely the experience of praying evening prayer is going to be difficult initially but very likely, as she continues, whatever, the 10 minutes of this prayer, she's going to find that it becomes easier, and she'll find also that her discouragement is lifting. She knows that she's not alone. And the prayers that she lift up, lifts up to the Lord for the Psalms and the readings will also lighten her heart. And now she makes her examine in the usual way with uh, her journal there, and she looks back over the day, and she can see the pattern there, and she can maybe even describe, you know, the, what the pull was, that movement in the desolation toward what's low and earthly, and she can name it. Now, what's going to be in Beth's heart as she retires that evening? What's going to be in her heart as she rises the next morning? So we can expect to feel in times of spiritual desolation that pull toward low and earthly things. But if we respond to it in the way that Ignatius is describing, we're going to grow actually as we go through that. So, Beth loves the Lord. She's doing her best to be a faithful servant of the Lord. She's growing spiritually. Why is God permitting her to go through this? And Ignatius wants us to know that God will permit, in the Pierce's word, at times, the trial of spiritual desolation for reasons of a love that he'll describe as he continues in his teaching because we'll grow in various ways. If we go through it, like Beth in the second scenario. You know, if we go through it, aware of it, able to name it, and then using the tools to reject it. And what he wants us to know is this. The feeling in time of spiritual desolation will be that I'm just almost helpless, I'm tired, I'm discouraged, I can't do it. There'll be a kind of refrain that I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't pick up the breviary and pray evening prayer now that I've gotten home. I can't pray and examine. I can't, I can't, I can't. And when the desolation, which is all a lie, is saying to you that you can't, you're too weak, you can never overcome this obstacle, you can never take that new step, remember that you can. Because even though you don't feel it, that's the heaviness of spiritual desolation, you know with the utter certitude of faith that God is giving you all the grace that you need to get faithfully through this. If Beth calls that to mind when she's poised between Maureen and the breviary, and she knows that she can get through this well with because God's grace is always there, 
that's going to help her enormously, which is to say that this discouraging tactic of the enemy, spiritual desolation, is never the deepest thing in our spiritual lives. There is a level of God's grace in us so rooted, so solidly given that desolation can never touch it. And it's knowing that which tells us that we can get through this faithfully. Uh, and then Beth will be encouraged to do that. You know, I've been talking about God permitting spiritual desolation. So just for clarity's sake here, God never gives spiritual desolation. There are crosses that God does ask us to carry. For example, situations of health, for example, or responsibilities or issues the family faces. But we have a promise there that when we pick up our cross daily and follow Christ with it, our Good Fridays, like his, lead to Easter Sundays of growth in us and through us for others. But this tactic of the enemy, spiritual desolation, just these discouraging lies of the enemy, God never gives that. That is always and only the work of the enemy. Knowing that, we have all the clarity that we need as to how to deal with it. Reject it. That's the call. That's the action to take in time of spiritual desolation. One last thing I'll say along these lines. Sometimes we may, let's say Beth, as all of this is going on and she's discouraged and there's Maureen and the phone and the breviary, all of those things, she may find herself thinking, there must be something wrong with you. Other people don't go through this kind of up and down experience. You know, this morning you were so, you went to daily mass and you felt the Lord's closeness and look at you now, there's something wrong with you that you go through this. I don't use a lot of exclamation points, but here, if I were to write out my answer, it would be no with about four exclamation points after it. Absolutely not. I have never yet, as I said earlier, found one person who has said to me, I don't know what Ignatius is talking about. We all do. So it's really important never to take that lie on, never to believe that lie. You can look at Therese's story of the soul, Ignatius' spiritual diary, the writings of any holy man or woman, and you'll, all, you'll find this. This is normal spiritual experience. And everything that what matters is awareness of it, the ability to name it, and then to take the appropriate action. We'll return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. A prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. 
Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm so glad you mentioned all of that, Father Gallagher, because I think sometimes when we think of the word trial, for example, that this is a trial that we're enduring, it's not one as something that is judicial in nature. It is more along the lines of an exercise not to make us weak, but to make us strong. And that's why the Father in heaven, as I've come to learn from you, that's why he would allow such a thing, to help make us stronger. It seems to me in this that it's first things first. If you have committed 15 minutes, as it were, to be able to do evening prayer, as Beth has in this particular story, after she comes home from work, doesn't mean that the the conversations with friends doesn't happen later or watching television doesn't happen later, but it, it is ordering your day and just following through in her particular case. That's the thing about the Laya, isn't it? That sometimes in even these elements of even 15 minutes, the enemy, in some ways our own nature, we make that 15 minutes look like three hours. 15 minutes of doing this is way too much when you think you would be scrolling on your streaming device or through your cable network or trying to find the right show. And before you know it, 20 minutes, 30 minutes have gone by. It's actually just a small amount if you've, in prudence, have chosen your exercises in a way that can be a benefit to you. Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that word trial. And that calls to mind what we read in the Acts of the Apostles, you know, that it is through many trials that we must enter the kingdom of heaven. That word trial, as it's used in this sense, indicates, and it's a very positive sense, indicates something that is within God's loving providence in the person's life, that God is calling the person to go through out of love, because the person will grow as the person, please God, goes through the trial well, Yen Beth in the second scenario that uh, that we described. So yes, that's very much it's looking at the experience of spiritual desolation in its truth on the level of faith permitted by God and within His loving providence, with a clear call to respond in the right way to it and grow. And you know, you also mentioned initial steps, small steps. I I don't remember if I quoted this already, but uh, you have it's in her last months of her life, Therese. And she's saying to her sister that, who is somewhat discouraged, that God always, got, she says, God never refuses the grace to take that first step. And then we move from step to step with increasing energy. But that's a really nice thing to know. God never refuses the grace to take the first step, to pick up the breviary, to wait 15 minutes, or any of these small steps that we described, that will always be there. And then we go from step to step, 
and we continue to grow. Like Beth will, uh, let's say she prays evening prayer in the exam and in the usual way, finds that her pre- her peace is largely restored. She knows that she's not alone. She feels God's love. And now she wants to relax with some of these other means that we've uh, talked about. The way she approaches them now will not be low and earthly, that with that movement toward low and earthly. Probably what she will watch and the amount of time and so on will have a very different quality because she's not approaching these things out of that kind of discouragement and desolation. So initial first steps are powerful. Ignatius will also give this counsel that it is easiest to resist and reject the enemy right in the very beginning of his tactics, his temptations, his discouraging lies and spiritual desolation. The sooner we are aware of what's going on and the sooner we respond to it, the easier it will be to deal with these things. If Beth, in the first scenario, you know, from television to refrigerator to social media, all of this preceded by the phone conversation with Maureen, you can see that it's just getting harder for her as she goes along. If she can stop, the sooner she can stop this, uh, the easier it will be. And that's true for all of us. You brought up a scenario I think that we might want to address as far as friendships and spiritual friendships. Because this can be something that we can struggle with if we don't have a sense of, can we say, self-knowledge, that we are aware and true at least to ourselves. And I'm thinking of a saint that we've quoted, or you have quoted several times, St. Francis de Sales, and he encourages spiritual friendships, those that you can turn to when you're in times like these that can help guide you out of the forest, sometimes when we feel like we're in the dark. But there are those friendships which are still good, wonderful friendships that may not necessarily be the type of spiritual friendship that you know you can turn to when you're experiencing something that Beth was turning to. Maureen seemed like a good friend and probably was commiserating with her and felt that she was affirming her sad state in a relationship to this coworker. However, maybe not the type of person you want to turn to in the throes, thinking in your own mind, well, I need to go to a friend, I need to talk to somebody, but maybe this is not the spiritual friendship that in this particular case you want to in this instant. Yes, in this scenario, as it plays out, Beth approaches Maureen because she's feeling the pull toward what's low and earthly. She just allows it to happen, you know, and that's why she picks up the phone with Maureen. But you pick up well on the fact, Chris, that there are different levels of friendship. I don't know that we'd even want to call that friendship, you know, that relationship with Maureen. There's a contact there, but it certainly wouldn't fit, for example, with Thomas Aquinas's understanding of friendship as a mutual willing the good of the other. You also mentioned Francis de Sales, who in the introduction to The Devout Life has a lovely section on friendship. And he goes through the different levels of friendship that we can experience. And these are all positive things that he's talking about. Friendship arises when there's some kind of commonality. You know, something that people share. Both of them like photography or playing golf or traveling or whatever it might be. And there's a goodness in that, but that won't be the highest level of friendship. The friendship rises in degree depending on what is shared. 
and in its highest degree, what is shared is a mutual love for the Lord, a mutual desire to grow in that love. Basically, what what is shared is charity with a capital C. That is that power to love that comes from God and is given to us to be able to love in a way that God loves. It might well be, we earlier spoke of Julie and her friend Emily. Emily might well be that kind of friend. She loves the spiritual life. She's so encouraging to Julie as she struggles taking new steps in the spiritual life. So if we can have that, you know, he who finds a friend finds a treasure. If we find that kind of person, that's such a great gift, you know, if God gifts that to us, and maybe that's something to pray for. But a tapestry of friendships is a beautiful thing. We'll have friendships on various levels, and they're all good. But at the heart of it will be the friend with whom we can share love, charity with a capital C, that power of love that is in God and is shared with us through grace. Any final thoughts on Beth's particular type of spiritual desolation? Yeah, that's there's the moment. Here is what we'd plan to do spiritually, and here is the diversion from it. And please, God, in those moments, if we can stand firm right then, don't make those changes. We resist right in the very beginning. We move toward liberation. As I said, when we started, this is all about setting captives free, and that's our hope. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. You've been listening to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. Or you can find it in the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view the video of this presentation by visiting the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher.